and welcome to Prince Track by Track. I'm your host, Darren, and today we're going to be talking about the future from Batman. The first track of this album, uh, recorded in mid to late February 1989 and released on the 20th of June 1989. So a very short gap between Prince recording most of this album and it being released. On the track, it is just Prince, um, though he does have the sounds of blackness um, that he'd kind of um, he'd recorded some stuff with them and he kind of sampled it. Uh, and then he sent it off to Claire Fisher, and Claire Fisher sucked some strings on top of it. The track is 4 minutes and 7 seconds, although there was a remix by William Orbit that goes for 6 minutes and 35, and um, that we can discuss later on. Joining me to talk about this is Niall McGowan. Hello, Niall. Hello. Um, now, Prince, um, in the 80s, he had uh, he'd not had any time off. Let's put it like that. Apart from 1983, when he had toured, he toured the album 1999 and he'd done Purple Rain. He'd recorded the Times debut album and he'd recorded Apollonia 6's debut album. You know, he'd, he'd done a lot of stuff in 1983 that came out in 1984. But after the success of Purple Rain, he was pretty much on a treadmill of album tour, album tour, album tour. And in between, he did um, Under the Cherry Moon. And then he also, you know, recorded the Sign of the Times concert film. Um, and then he concluded 1988 doing this gigantic tour, uh, the Love Sexy Tour. It went all over the place and it cost a lot of money. Um, and by that point, you know, Prince had had a lot of leverage after Purple Rain, um, you know, to be able to kind of do whatever he wanted. But by the time you reached 1988, Prince had just spent, um, I think it was roughly $10 million on building Paisley Park. Um, and he'd just done this tour, which reportedly lost Warner Brothers about $20 million. Um, so he was a little bit in the hole in terms of cash. Uh, now, cash was never a thing that Prince ever thought about. As soon as he got his first record deal, money was not a thing in Prince's head. He just made music and, you know, making music gave him money and everybody else took care of his money and, you know, basically kept things um, as Kevin Smith put it, he lived in Prince world, mm. um, you know, where anything Prince wanted to do, he could do, um, you know, as as the famous story goes, if he wanted a camel at three in the morning, then he had a camel at three in the morning. <laughs> um, you know, Prince could make demands and he could pretty much do whatever he wanted. He was also very protective of his music, as also comes from the Kevin Smith story. Kevin Smith wanted permission to use one Prince song. He ended up flying to Minnesota and staying there for three days before Prince said no to him. <laughs> so um, <laughs> given that, you know, when Tim Burton decided to use Baby I'm a Star as a song in Batman... Um, he he re he would require permission from Prince. It's well known that if you were a Fox TV program and you wanted to make a Star Wars reference, let's say like Arrested Development did, it was kind of understood that because Star Wars was a Fox property to a certain extent, um, you know, back in the day, uh, you could pretty much have anything from Star Wars for free because it was it was just promoting Star Wars, you know, and and you know Fox TV programs were allowed to promote Star Wars because it was a Fox property. Same is true of, you know, ABC shows were allowed to promote Disney stuff because Disney owns ABC. And obviously Tim Burton was working on the assumption that because Prince was a Warner Brothers artist and Batman was being made by Warner Brothers, that sticking Baby I'm a Star in the film would be no problem. Mm. Of course, he did not realise he would be dealing with Prince. <laughs> and Prince once asked, you know, can we use Baby I'm a Star in this scene in the film Batman? He went, no, you cannot. <laughs> and corporate synergy as prince was persuaded to kind of get on board with this batman project batman of course i mean i don't feel i need to tell anyone it was huge um and it was kind of all consuming for warner brothers in 1989 
And so, you know, when Prince was kind of tangentially involved into it, somebody had the bright idea of why not have Prince record a new song for the film? You know, and obviously Prince, at this particular point, he had the plan to do nothing in 1989. Given that he lived in a recording studio, obviously that was never going to happen. Prince was always going to end up recording an album. Um, You know, in 1988, he recorded an album and threw it to the side and then recorded a brand new album. So it's not like Prince was never going to, you know, he was going to do absolutely nothing. But he hadn't planned on releasing an album. He hadn't planned on going on tour. And indeed, he didn't tour in the entire of 1989. He was basically planning to do what he'd done in 1983 and take a year off from everything um, and just kind of, you know, stay at home in Paisley Park and, you know, maybe record some songs. But he had no plans to do anything outside of that. Um, until, of course, Warner Brothers kind of dragged him in <laughs> to the Batman project. And he ended up n- not just kind of contributing a couple of songs, but doing the entire soundtrack. Um, and it's so it's, it's even now, <laughs> looking back, I, I mean, I can't think of a time when, uh, you know, a kind of pop artist, like the height of their powers has been like, yes, I'll record nine songs for a soundtrack of a, of a kind of a tentpole film. And they won't really be connected to the film, but they'll be featured in the film. And, you know, like even, um, you know, like Mm. uh, Avengers has a song at the end done by Soundgarden, but it doesn't have any other music inside it. You know, like, you know, Iron Man 3, I believe, used like a load of ACDC songs, but they didn't record any new songs for it. It was just kind of old songs. And I I don't know, it's just such an odd thing. I mean, obviously, uh, Niall, you know, you are uh, one of the co-hosts of of Batman in 89, and so you'll be more than aware of kind of the odd history of how Prince ended up being dragged into this project. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh... Almost almost against his will, just as a way to kind of get some money back, basically. You know, Warner Brothers were like, we're pouring all our money into this film. Hopefully, if Prince gets involved, we can get back some of that cash that he spent on building <laughs> his gigantic white mansion in the Twin Cities. Yeah. And not just, you know, Prince getting dragged into it, but then Tim Burton not really wanting all these Prince songs in this film as well. Like having to have a kind of like, it seemed to be, yeah, the, the hand that feeds been very much more like this is happening and you two need to get over it. And even Danny Elfman been very sort of a bit standoffish about like, I thought I was doing the soundtrack. And yeah, it seems to be a, a, an album constructed, you know, great album does. And, you know, for what it's worth, like it's uh, within the film, I still think it's terrific. All the Prince, having all the Prince songs there is just more of a, the cultural oddity that it provides for the film itself. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it seemed to be very much like a thing that not a lot of people beyond the studio were particularly enamored by doing, like, at least at the beginning. You know? <laughs> so. and, and the weird thing is, of course, you know, um, for each of the songs, Prince samples various parts of the film. He had a work print to, to go from. Um, so the sample mm-hmm. that is at the beginning of the future is, I'm not going to kill you. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to tell all your friends about me. And then, of course, mm. the guy from Avvidazane Pet says, what are you? Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and we get to hear, you know, Michael Keaton say, I'm Batman at the very start of this album. So you think, oh, well, this is connected to, to Batman now, you know. And, you know, that's mm. pretty much it, you know. <laughs> like <laughs> Chris Fairbanks, who play, play, plays Nick in the, in the movie. Because, like, every, you know, in the sleeve notes for all the samples... It uh, infamously credits, you know, Michael Keaton as a special guest presence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, but Chris Fairbank doesn't get anything. No. Like, and the weird thing is, because of the mixing, his audio is way louder than Michael Keaton's. Like, yeah. You can hear his breathing way more, and he gets a proper loud, like, what are you? Yeah. And, uh, and it's just a reel in the background. Oh, 
Yeah. Like, in, the, in the distance. I kind of feel a bit bad for him. He's like, I'm not a prince. <laughs> no, I didn't even get acknowledged as a presence. So the hell with that guy. You know, it's worth saying that, you know, the samples that you use throughout, you know, the rest of this album, they come from the work print. There's no kind of... Um, you know, there's no ADR on them. So a lot of the lines are kind of like the first takes of lines. It's just, it's kind of, yeah. that's how, that's, and the fact that Prince was kind of, he started recording this like in the February and the the, the film is ready to come out in the June. And, you mm, know, it's like, yeah. that's, I mean, you know, these days, if, if there's anything to do with like a film project, it comes out months in advance. And, you know, even Prince himself, when he did Purple Rain, you know, he had a couple of singles out before the album came out, before the film came out. And he did the same thing with Under the Cherry Moon. Kiss came out two months before the film was even released. So, you know, even Prince is kind of familiar with the structure of, you know, you have your lead single and all. And, you know, with this, it's like, well, by the time, you know, Bat Dance comes out as the lead single, Prince has barely just finished recording the album and mixing it <laughs> and kind of getting it in the can. It's like, and then, you know, the remix for the future took place, you know, it was released, you know, as a single you know, sometime in 1990. But by that point, you know, I feel like Warner Brothers are kind of, they weren't interested anymore. Um, but but yeah. Prince was still kind of releasing stuff from this album, um, you know, all the way into May 1990. And uh, that's when the kind of mm. remix, the William Orbit remix was released, um, you know, of this particular song. But um, yeah, I mean, it's funny because like the opening of the song has the sample. And then obviously later on in the film, uh, Jack Nicholson says, think about the future. And that is the sample that kind of plays at the end, um, you know. So it's a uh, it's a bit appropriate as well in that um, talk about like how well the songs actually fit into what's you know supposed to be happening on screen and and whatnot. But uh, I know the prince's mentality. Like originally, I think the plan was that there was going to be Michael Jackson was going to record a few songs as well, yeah. and there was the idea that there was going to be the duality of Prince would record songs from the perspective of like the Joker like he, and then Michael Jackson would be doing the kind of romantic and the Batman parts and then Jackson didn't work out and so Prince when he took over everything uh, a lot of the the, the tracks on the album are from, supposed to be from the perspective of different characters and the the future is you know the opening you know of, of the album Batman where the line is you know I'm Batman so uh, as we go into the song we're supposed to be in the mindset of Batman, essentially, uh, which is you know appropriate because like the you know much like the the character presented in the film, the song itself is very sort of uh, somber and moody and a bit grim. Yeah, very somber. Yeah, like it's, it's it's a it's a really moody piece. And this and this does appear in the film very very briefly and very quietly. Oh, <laughs> kind yeah. of as as we meet this family who are about to be robbed by you know the the two you know the two kind of. Um, uh, street hoodlums um, you know mm. you just hear in the distance someone seems to be playing this song on I don't know like a boombox somewhere I don't know I mean it just kind of drifts in and yeah. out as they kind of walk down these streets I, do, I think I mentioned that in the episode is like I just knew this song before I had was, was able to get my hands on the uh, soundtrack album uh, I just knew it as just uh, the only thing I knew the song was just that's all you hear. You hear that twice this is throughout. You just hear people walk, a lot of car horns and stuff, and then the future. Like, what is that song? I always, I did always. I wanted to know what um, Prince's attitude was as well in terms of you know when he first saw the finished film, because yeah, like you know, eventually you do get two whole. Well, you know, technically, if you count the end credits, three whole Prince songs. Yeah, yeah, played. You know, the, uh, maybe not the, in, in their entirety, but a good 
chunk of them. And um, but the first hour of the film, it is like you got a big triumphant, uh, moody, atmospheric, uh, you know, uh, Danny Elfman opening, and then you get a 1.5 second snippet of Prince, <laughs> and then scenes later in Wayne Mansion, you get very faintly in the background is um, Vicky waiting, and um, you get electric chair out of the. the- uh, the, oh. the the um the thing to raise money the fundraiser you have electric there's a song that's playing and then it stops and then electric chair comes in um you oh, know, just wow. just as just as um just as uh billy d williams is is kind of talking about you know the bat the batman and how it's all nonsense and all this kind of stuff it's you know ghosts and goblins <laughs> and all that <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, um, but you'd have to you'd have to know Electric Chair to recognize it because it's only the opening chord. Well, yeah, because we did that episode, we did not pick up on that. So they, <laughs> oh, we're gonna have to go back now and then re-edit the whole thing. Yeah, but yeah, uh, Party but, Man uh, is like the big one that people know. You know, the whole Lawrence, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And then obviously Trust, you know, is is the big parade later on. Again, there's only about two minutes of that. And uh, but I do wonder if like like when Prince sitting in the screening room, just like like Tim Burton looked down to see like the the hair bob and just going like. What the, what the songs? Like, where, where the hell are they? Like, I've recorded a whole album for this. I did it was the most stressful six weeks of my life. What the hell are you doing? Where are the damn songs? Yeah. And then it's like, all right, you got a freaking, oh, you got a whole, you got two whole freaking things, that, massive sequences based around your music. You happy? No. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I think the, the funny thing is, of course, is, you know, this this led to him dating Kim Basingus. <laughs> so I, I think, yeah, I don't yeah. think he was that concerned about whether or not his songs were featured in the film. I think, he, you know, he ended up with what he needed out of the, out of the thing, you know, and it's mm. worth saying as well, the album, you know, it was a huge success. You know, it, it was, yeah. it debuted at number one in, in the Billboard charts, you know, it, it, it sold, you know, it was double platinum, it sold all over the place, you know, it, it was, it was his most successful album since um, Around the World in a Day. I was about to say since Purple Rain, but Around in the World in a Day was actually quite successful itself, so... Um, you know, he he'd had like some critically acclaimed albums in between, but they just hadn't sold as well. You know, yeah. and this really, you know, every single, you know, Batman, Bad Dance was his his final number one single in the US. Um, you know, and every single, even Party Man, Arms of Ryan, they charted, you know, reasonably well. Uh, you know, Bat Dance itself sold a couple of million copies. So, you know, the album itself was a success. It was a bit of a gamble on Warner Brothers' part, you know, to to have Prince, you know, be the kind of the featured artist. Um, you know, yeah, but yeah. in the end, it paid off for everybody. You know, the, the the film was a success for everybody. You know, Tim Burton got to make um oh Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, he you know he got to make it. Yeah, he got to he got to leverage this into Edward Scissorhands before he had to return for the sequel. You know, Prince got Prince mm. got money to do Graffiti Bridge. Um, you know, Jack Nicholson got paid money for doing Batman Returns, even though he's not in it. Oh yeah, up up until right up until Batman Begins, that guy was getting paychecks for for Batman <laughs> films he wasn't in. Yeah, so um, you know, everybody everybody really had a big success from this film, and you know, it was the first film since I think uh, Raiders to get four hundred million or something at the box office. So mm, you know, yeah, every yeah. this whole thing, this whole project ended up being a, a huge success. If you know, if it had ended up failing, I think it would have been the end of a lot of people's careers. But I think Prince could have weathered that one. Oh, oh yeah, I'm sure he would have got away with <laughs> yeah, that just fine. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and it's worth saying, you know, that um, in in the March of 1989, there was a version of this album which you know it ha- it started with the future. You know, how you had Electric Chair, Arms of Orion, Party Man, Vicky Waiting. But instead of finishing with Bat Dance, it finished with a song called Dance with the Devil. And oh. then there was a, another configuration which had 
Um, the future electric chair scandalous and then party man Vicky Way in trust lemon crush dance with the devil bat dance and then arms of Orion so it was a 10 track configuration so mm. dance with the devil eventually was dropped um, so far unreleased um, it was it was yeah. deemed to be too dark for the album um, and in, instead Ooh. you know bat dance was just kept as the final track was there even like a, like a like a lyric sheet or anything is it just like no completely shrouded in mystery you can, you can find it on the internet <laughs> dance yeah. with the devil is kind of out there there were a few songs that prince kind of went through you know it, it was kind of lucky that Warner Brothers had this artist who had his own recording studio that could just keep recording songs until he ended up with a, a set of songs that they were happy with. But yeah, so, you know, let's get into this song because, you know, like we say, it kind of drifts very briefly for a few seconds in the opening scene of Batman. And obviously Prince chose this as the start to the the whole album. You know, this is this is kind of how he's going to introduce you to to his kind of idea of what Batman, you know, is about, you know, yeah, and it's yeah. kind of like got this this kind of kind of sampled drum sound, I think is the best way of describing it. Um, that mm. kind of is the main beat of it and it has a lot of kind of like synthesizers um, and yeah. Prince's voice is kind of treated so it's a, a, like a little bit lower than normal um, you know mm. that's kind of what I would say and it starts with you know I've seen the future and it will be and then, and yeah. then, and yeah. then Prince saying I've seen the future and it works if there's a life after we will see so I can't go like a jerk I mean uh, <laughs> it's an unusual chorus the, the, the lyrics are very unusual for like for ages before looking at the lyric sheets because you know if you're to take this as that you know this is playing over establishing shots of the streets of of uh of gotham and so that's why you get that sort of moody like the almost sounding like ghostly moans and stuff in the in the synth work and, and things like that and it's establishing you know batman's mindset and just like the city itself as being a bit dark and grim but it's like oh yeah i've seen the future and it will be is it this supposed to be an indication of like this is the way society is heading potentially or the way that the you know perhaps if you're taking it from batman's perspective the way he sees society is heading yeah but then it's like i've seen the future and i used to think for years before i actually looked at the <laughs> lyric sheet was that i've seen the future and it hurts which made <laughs> it made way more sense to me yeah but then i've seen the future and it works it's a bit like what does that mean like what, what are you what are you saying with that <laughs> like what's what, what's what's the what's the intent behind the biggest you know i've seen the future and it works makes it sound like it's a good thing i mean the, the weird thing is when prince starts actually singing he says uh systematic overthrow of the underclass which doesn't make any sense because how can the underclass overthrow anything um, and yeah. then he says Hollywood conjures images of the past. New world needs mm. spirituality that will last. I've seen the future and it will be. Yeah, yeah. Again, I mean, uh, it's funny because like at first you're like, yeah, systematic overthrow of the underclass. And then you're like, hold on a second. What does that mean? Who's wait there? Who's in, who's overthrowing what? What's it, what exactly is he trying to say here? Because something like systematic overthrow of the underclass would to me indicate that like it's indicating the underclass, you know, that's much an overthrow, but that they've been... The system is keeping them underclass. Like it's talking about like corruption in high places, perhaps. Of like this is the state of Gotham. Is that like there's been a systematic overthrow of the underclass? So everyone, the 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 poor are kept poor. That kind of thing. Yeah. Then Hollywood conjures up images of the past. Is an interesting one, considering as you know, the song's called the future, and it's talking about I've seen the future. But the visual aesthetic of this film is supposed to be much more of a 1940s noir. And we get that in this scene. Like, we see all the men are going about in the, the trench coats and fedoras yeah. and the, <laughs> the woman in the old-timey dresses. Like, 
So is, each, is this like, it's almost like a stepping outside of the film now to be like, Hollywood, this film is showing you conjuring an image of the past, even though the, we're talking about the future. So is it supposed to be Prince as himself saying this is, you know, much in the kind of like a sign of the times kind of way. This is the way the world is going, but the film is presenting you with an, an old timey aesthetic or something. It's, it's, an, it's just very, very odd lyrics. Yeah. And, uh... Then the new world needs spirituality that will last. I think it, it, it you know, particularly nowadays when you you're coming into the, what people popularly know of, of Batman now is this Chris Nolan, you know, always oh, a symbol, the symbol that lasts forever, and they go, a symbol is more than a man. And in Prince, and you know, as, as a very religious person, it seemed interesting that like it's almost like he's taking on, he's fitting Batman with like that mentality of like. Uh, you know, the new world spirituality. Is this going to be Batman as a symbol? Will this be the the new world? Sp- uh, you know, the, the needs spirituality that will last. So they need something to inspire hope, and that is what Batman is going to be. At you know, this is the beginning of his career. So by the end of it, when you get the bat symbol shining out over the city, he has become that. Most recently, as this episode goes out, uh, Justice League will have opened. Um, and and in, yeah, in the yeah. trailer for Justice League that I've seen a few times, there is a, a line where you know everyone is getting ready to kind of go to battle with whatever the big bad is, um, and the Flash kind of says to someone, "Goes, it's great that you're ready to go, go to battle, but what I've mostly been doing is pushing people and then running away." And I think mm. that's funny because that <laughs> sums up kind of like the Flash's powers, as you would imagine them, which is he can run really yeah. fast. So what can he do? Well, he can push people and then he can run off without them seeing him. And in this film, up until this point, you know, obviously in the film, when you get that sample of, you know, tell your friends I'm Batman, you're like, what has Batman done? And it seems to be he's been pushing people off rooftops. And that's pretty much all he's been doing. Like, he hasn't been stopping crime. He's just been pushing people off rooftops and saying he's Batman. And you think to yourself, mm. like, is that what a hero is? Like, is a guy who pushes people off rooftops and just tells everyone he's Batman? Um, so I think it's interesting <laughs> that you're trying to say, oh, he's, you know, he's looking to become this kind of icon and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, but the, for the moment, he's just been pushing people and flying off. You yeah. Know, like, Although, again, though, that line, though, is, is as I said, like, by the end of the film, though, Bat symbol is shining out over the city. Yeah. And the next line is, I've seen this, the future and it will be. So yeah. it's like, he's predicting that like, I'm going to be <laughs> the, the shining beacon that this that this city needs. Potentially, again, this might not be the intention of the lyrics at all. But... <laughs> um, well, I think it's interesting because when we get to the next kind of like verse, uh, this is kind of the one that I guess you would say is kind of the most in keeping with the, the story of the film, really. Where he says, yellow yeah, smiley yeah. offers me X. Uh, like he's drinking seven up. I would rather drink six razor blades, razor blades from a paper cup. He can't understand. Mm. I say too tough. I've just seen the future, and boy, it's rough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying, boy, it's rough in a different way to how Prince sings it. But uh, you know, <laughs> the idea of like yellow smiley maybe being the Joker, and this whole thing of like mm. offering people drugs. You know, obviously in the film, the you know big plot is the the Joker and the kind of cosmetics that cause people to kind of um, die with a rictus grin. Um, so yeah, like the yeah. and, and the idea of like razor blades you know like obviously we have the stuff with um, you know Jerry Hall um, you know being kind of scarred with um, you know uh, you know the, the, the kind of acid stuff that uh, the Joker does and you know the Joker's mouth itself kind of yeah. being kind of distorted you know so like that kind mm. of almost fits with kind of the plotting of the film but again you have to kind of read into it to kind of see that uh, you know, yeah, as part yeah, of the yeah. film, I I just wonder though, as like, was it not some sort of potential 
legal thing. The fact that it says like like he's drinking Seven Up. It's like that's a brand name. You, can you can you just put a brand name in in a song and just and then have that song be the soundtrack to a major motion picture picture. And Seven Up, did they not come knocking, going like, "Hey, where's where's our cut? You know what? Uh, you just mentioned our product and your song." Well, like, as as the Kinks found with the uh, with the fil- with the song Lola, uh, you can you can put a trademark into a song without any problems, but the BBC will then ban your song and they won't play it oh. because Lola mentions <laughs> Cherry Cola, which originally mm. was Coca Cola, and the BBC can't advertise, so they would not play that song for that reason. Yeah, the one that that's spawned the Coca Cola company. You'd be like. Cherry cola. I wonder if we could. Can we make cherry Coca Cola now? <laughs> yeah, sure. Go do whatever yeah, you want. I think it took them like thirty years after that, but you know they eventually cashed in on it. But yeah, so you, <laughs> you can mention trademarks in songs, no problem. But yeah, I mean, I guess he says like he's drinking Seven Up. He doesn't say that Seven Up actually contains razor blazer in it. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, you know, I, but I, just the idea that Prince knows what Seven Up is is really weird to me. Like, because at this particular time, it, it had the you know the uh, the Fido Dido. Uh, campaign yeah. the kind of cool to be clear <laughs> stuff so i i just find it weird to i always find it odd to think of prince doing anything that would involve him consuming media so the idea mm. of prince like <laughs> sitting watching the tv and seeing a seven up advert is just odd to me i have to wonder as well it's one of those um like i remember uh reading a review of uh mr Magorium's wonder emporium where like the reviewer is like instantly loses points because you've only called the guy Magorium because it rhymes with Emporium. Emporium. You're, yeah. just, you're just been, <laughs> I have to wonder, like, did the, did the paper cup line come first? Or was it like... Seven up. Like, oh, yeah. If I had to work backwards, it's like, what rhymes with cup? <laughs> just like, <laughs> seven up. There you go. <laughs> we kind of get the thing where, you know, um, the chorus kind of comes and goes and you have the, um, you know, Claire Fisher strings kind of... There's no real kind of like middle eight or solo to this song either. It's just kind of a relentless kind of beat throughout the whole song um Mm. you know kind of uh, it's very much like a dance song um and you know it kind of just never stops um and so the only kind of respite you get is the occasional kind of the strings kind of coming in and kind of then fading out and then coming back in again you know in between uh, verses and choruses um you know and then Prince says something again, which kind of might be related to the film where he says he says pretty pony standing on the avenue flashing a loaded pistol too dumb to be true. Someone told him playing Cops and Robbers was cool. Our rap might have been different if we only knew. And then he goes, yeah. I've seen the future and it will be. Yeah, um, yeah. And I mean, I guess the Cops and Robbers thing kind of maybe fits in with, you know, Batman and, you know, the whole kind of, uh, particularly like the 66 Batman was very much a kind of Cops and Robbers type setup, wasn't it? You know, with the, yeah, the various yeah. kind of villains of the week and kind of, uh, you know, Batman kind of tracking them down and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, so, I mean, again, <laughs> you kind of have to interpret it to kind of get it close to the actual film. Yeah, well, I, th- I think that this one's a, a little more... Uh, to me, that that passes out as being... Particularly as, you know, the, the scene the, the the future is featured in leads into the opening mugging of, uh, you know, it's uh, Biggs Darklighter from Star Wars and whatnot. The guy <laughs> with Jonathan Ross's sister, weirdly enough. Uh, playing as well, who actually is his wife in real life, but um, yeah, that's a little little bit of trivia. Uh, but anyway, uh, but the, the whole thing, yeah, uh, pretty pony standing on the avenue, flashing a loaded pistol, and all, all that, because the you know the literally something like that happens, or you know they are in themselves mugged, and of course then it would be um, uh, you know somebody told them playing cops and robbers was cool, so it's just that the the, the fact that these crooks think that this is okay. And then would our rap have been different if we only knew? Part of, you know, maybe uh, 
you know, our rap makes it sound a bit strange. But um, yeah, you know, perhaps it would have been like, if you said like, would your rap have been different? Because it would have been like, if you only knew that I was coming, like, would you have done this? And you can even then not beyond that mugging because that mugging is designed to evoke, um, you know, the the Wayne murders and the you know the 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 very action that caused Batman to be in the first place of like yeah. the murder of Bruce Wayne's parents. And you have to you know, in that way. Yo, know, could he be saying like, would our rap have been different? Is in more of like a familiar way of like, oh, would this whole thing have been different if you only knew? Um, like even going back then to you know within that film, it's the Joker who actually killed Bruce Wayne's parents. Would he have done that had he known what would have happened? You know that he would be you know create Batman and then actually through that himself become the joker and, and that kind of thing that was that's that's where my mind went with it but yeah. uh it's it's just the phrase the phrasing though of what our rap is that's what that's what the kind of that's what kind of sticks the something in the gears a little bit of like well maybe you know obviously then we get the, you know the repeat of the, i've seen the future and it will be i've seen the future and it works and then you know it kind of and then the, the kind of the the end of the song is just prince saying i've seen the future and it will be um, mm. over and over before, uh, kind of fading out just before we get the sample of uh, Jack Nicholson saying think about the future yeah, um, yeah. you know and um, you know something I should say you know obviously the, the strings from Claire Fisher um, are actually taken from a different song um, there's a song called Crystal Ball uh, you know which was meant to be what Sign of the Times became it was meant to be a triple album that Prince was doing the song Crystal Ball had these strings and they're actually the, the strings from Crystal Ball are actually used on the future. Um, yeah. <laughs> so even 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 Prince is like, oh, I've already got these strings laying around. Let me just stick them on this song. You know, no, again, he did have limited time to get that album out, so <laughs> yeah. you can you forgive him something like that. You know, the song was released as a single, uh, like I said, on the eighteenth of May, nineteen ninety. But it was actually mostly the remix version, and there was actually an edited version of the remix, which I find yeah. uh, like it doesn't it doesn't strike me as been a great idea for a single like it's really like it's, it's, this one isn't gonna light up the world it's a bit too it's a bit too much of a downer yeah it's not got any sort of it's just it's almost like a I, I, you know i'm not gonna say droning because it, that makes it sound negative because it's not you know it's not a bad song by any means but as, as a single you can't imagine this coming on the radio and people have been like hey the future's on it, it seems a bit too much of a an atmospheric uh, album piece. Well, I mean, apparently they did enjoy it in the Netherlands because it managed to get to number seven in the Netherlands and it got to number oh. 30, 39 <laughs> in Germany and it got to number 22 in Belgium. Um, and mm. oddly enough, that was in June 1990 by the time it, it reached those positions. Um, and that was one month before Thieves in the Temple was released. Um, <laughs> so that's how far into the project this was, that basically Prince had already recorded, you know, he'd made a film and recorded an entire album. And, <laughs> and you know, here, here was, he was basically about to release another single from his next album a month after, um, you know, th th this, this final song was released as a single. Uh, now... <laughs> The future I first heard as the remix, uh, oddly enough, but as a B-side on a re-release of Controversy, uh, which was released in 1993, um, uh, to, because I don't, I, I, it was to promote the hits, the B-sides, um, and uh, you know it, it was released with the remix as the B-side of a remix of Controversy. So Controversy was the lead single, 
and it was remixed. Mm. And then it had this William Orbit remix of The Future as the B-side. And that was the first time I ever heard The Future because I hadn't yeah. owned the, the Batman album at that point. Um, so it's really weird for me because when I hear the original, like the proper version of The Future, I'm like, it doesn't sound, you know, quite as, as kind of upbeat because, you know, yeah. the, the remix <laughs> is a bit more upbeat. Uh, mm. And so it's kind of odd that, uh, you know, that's the way I came to the song was was from it being a B-side on a re-released single that was like at the time was like 13 years old. I, I was just shocked to see uh, the name William Orbit pop up because uh, I only know him from the, you know, the back in like the late 90s, like William Orbit did that um, the, the re-release of Adagio for Strings. You know yeah. the thing most people know from Platoon, William Orbit. And I was like, he was he was around doing stuff like you know not for Batman, but involved with Batman. It was a real eye opener to me that even see his name <laughs> mentioned at all. Like, yeah, you know, you say you say from Platoon, but um, that Adagio for strings um, has been featured on. I mean, it's in the Elephant Man and the Crow. Oh yeah, yeah. and well, I think yeah, G- the, the Platoon will be. Um, yeah. You know, it's on an episode of Red Dwarf. Um, oddly enough, Kevin and Perry go large. <laughs> Ar- Amelie, um, Simone, Andrew Nichol must love this because that's the second time he used it. Um, <laughs> you know, and obviously it's been featured in a few episodes of The Simpsons, uh, American Dad, South Park. You know, it's it kind of like if people need to have something kind of somber, then they, they choose that. Uh, but you're yeah. right, yeah, he did just stick some beats over it and it got to number four in the charts. So, you know, <laughs> congratulations, Mark uh, William Orbit, on that. Um, yeah, also, that was during the, it was a dark period of, the, of music history. That, that, was, <laughs> that was the, the height of boy bands and dance music. It was not a period. Well, I mean, the thing is also involved on it was uh, on the remix was Mark Moore, who was, uh, you know, uh, half of S-Express, I believe, you know, who, who found fame with the theme from S-Express. Uh, that's how I came to it was just as a remix. Um, and then when I heard the original, which is like, you know, two minutes shorter and, and, and it's, you know, a lot kind of slower and not as kind of upbeat. I was, I was kind of not shocked, but I was just like, this doesn't seem quite as, um, you know, as upbeat. Someone had actually taken a Prince song and done something with it and made it kind of uh, more interesting. It's like such a, an odd concept. It's like usually entirely the other way around. <laughs> Um, so I mean I would here's the thing I would give that remix five out of five but the original I'm gonna have to stick with four out of five like I I wouldn't I think even four like I would go three I think three out of five because it's not a bad song like it it does what it set out sets out to do perfectly well but just as a piece of music like I I can't imagine uh, like going oh put on the future by Prince like in the background <laughs> it's, it's not a song I ever seek to to seek out to listen to. Uh, I'm quite content with its usage just in the, in the film. <laughs> that's that's great. Like it just it, it, you know it was used to the extent it needed to be within that scene. And you know it's an album opener. Um, it, 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 it's such a, it's, an, it's such an odd one. Cause, again, considering how lively the album gets later on, yeah. that it starts in such a, uh, a moody slow piece yeah and when it was issued as a single it was issued with the b-side of electric chair which obviously is the next song so um <laughs> you know someone at warlord brothers didn't have that much imagination they were like yeah let's release this as a single and what's the b-side the next song on the album let's let's not complicate <laughs> things let's not get too clever here um, mm. though of course worth mentioning at this particular point and obviously something I, I will probably say on some of the other tracks you know as we go through this album uh, when Prince did issue the hits, the B-sides, the B-sides from the Batman singles were all included on the B-sides. Uh, however, the hits from the Batman were not included on in the hits. <laughs> so uh, there's there's no Batman songs at all on the hits one or the hits two. Uh, yeah, mostly that's... due to contractual stuff. In terms of like Prince projects, if you look at stuff that he did in the 80s, you know, obviously 
Um, you know, you start with controversy and dirty mind, which, you know, are quintessentially what you expect from Prince albums. Uh, then you get 1999, which, you know, is a is a huge album, followed by, obviously, you know, he, the biggest album of his career, uh, you know, along with a, a hit film. And, you know, he won an Oscar. Uh, and then you get kind of like the, the kind of the left turn into <laughs> into Around the World in a Day, although, you know, again, still generating hits with uh, with Raspberry Beret. You know, mm. you get you get Under the Cherry Moon, which is such a weird film. But, you know, the album itself has Kiss and, uh, you know, Girls and Boys and, and other hits. Um, and then, you know, by the time you arrive at like Sign of the Times, you know, you have Prince in kind of full flow, um, you know, first wanting to do a triple album, then wanting to release an album under the pseudonym and then ended up releasing a double album. Um, and you then, you know, recording the entire of the Black album, casting it to one side and recording all of Love Sexy. So, you know, by the time you get to Batman, it seems like kind of the most mainstream thing he did in the 80s, you know, mm. because up until this point, everything had kind of been, you know, unexpected. And then for him to just kind of go, well, you know, I'll do a soundtrack to somebody else's film. And I you yeah. know, will pretend that the songs are sung from different points of views. And, you know, that actually seems relatively mainstream compared to some of the choices he'd made up to this point. It's, it's, a, it's an odd legacy, this album as well, because in doing like, you know, the, the research for the tracks, if you know, Google the, the, the Prince Batman soundtrack, you'll, you'll see like headlines like, the Prince Batman soundtrack album isn't as bad as people think it is. And I was like, people think it's bad? Why do you think it's bad? <laughs> it's like, it's weird. It's weird that it's that it's, it exists, but it's like, a, but I don't, but you sit and watch, you know, the museum scene with Party Man. You're not going, oh, this is incredibly inappropriate. It's like, this is awesome. Like, why wouldn't you love this scene? But, and the entire track is made by a great artist and he's put in good songs. It's just, it's an odd, it's an odd juxtaposition in the fact that it's, Prince doing a Batman soundtrack is still, you know, growing up with it, it doesn't seem as crazy to me. But, like, apparently a lot of people were like, it's so strange that he didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. But it, 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 it's, I had no idea. As I'll discuss on some of the tracks as, you know, as we go through this, um, you know, obviously Prince's focus on this album is kind of odd. You know, like, he he, he had some old songs that he put onto it. He, he recorded a couple of new songs, you know, to kind of appease, uh, you know, the, the stuff that was needed for the film. Um, you know, and then you know, the fact that he basically started and finished the whole thing within two months um, and then kind of almost instantly was on set doing Graffiti Bridge before <laughs> before the, the the album was even released and before Batman was even in cinemas. He was already doing his next project almost mm. as if it had never happened. It's kind of it's so weird. But then he put so much effort into the Party Man and Bat Dance videos. Yeah, yeah. That it's, cl- it's clear that he, you know, there was something there that he must have enjoyed. Because he really kind of embraced being part of the machine, yeah. For just for this one album, and then he went back to kind of resisting what Warner Brothers wanted him to do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I feel like we've talked about as much as we can about this opening track, you know, really setting up the rest of this album. Because you know, I, like I said, this is this is kind of like one of those things where it's mainstream for every other artist, but for Prince, this is kind of like this is the hardest kind of left turn that he would take in his career. I feel we should go to plugs. Is there anything you need to plug, Niall? Uh, yes, I should. Uh, you know, speaking of Batman, uh, I should probably plug my own podcast. Uh, I am one of the hosts of Bat Minutes 89, which is a podcast where we analyze uh, Tim Burton's 1989 Batman film in its entirety, one minute at a time. So one episode per minute. You may be familiar with the fo- the format. There's, you know, if there's millions of these things out now, you can get Tombstone Minute and That Thing You Do Minute and things like that. But we're doing it with Batman. Um, so yeah, uh, just Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, every week, we... Uh, 
go through a minute in sequential order and we bring on guests and we sit and we talk about the minute and then we go off on little tangents and uh, we have fun. We have fun in the podcast is what we do. So uh, we've talked about the future way back at the beginning. We've talked about Party Man and other Prince songs in the scenes relevant that they appear in since. So uh, if you're interested at all in any of that or just about... Uh, Batman 1989 in general, we we analyze the crap out of that film, so um, it's a, it's there and readily available on all good podcatchers like so your iTunes and Stitcher and all those things, we're we're readily available. So come and join us anytime. And you can find us on Facebook at Prince Trap by Track, or you can follow us on Twitter at Prince Podcast, or you can email us, not sure why you would, at PrinceTrapByTrack at gmail.com. Thanks for being my guest here today, Noel. Oh, thank you very much for having me. And otherwise, I've seen the future, and it's the rest of this album. <laughs> Whoever heard of-